Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's more important than ever before to make conscious choices about your purchases. So, choosing products that will grow with your family and that are designed to last, this will really help to reduce waste. That is exactly what Bugaboo is doing to help. So, by choosing a Bugaboo pushchair that's made using high quality materials, of which some are even made with recycled PET bottles, I'm able to be an environmentally conscious parent without compromising on quality. Find out more by visiting bugaboo.com. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. If you happen to be confused about whether calorie counting is effective or not, then you're definitely not alone. Calories were once the foundation of many diet programs and even official nutrition advice. Now, though, calorie counting has fallen by the wayside in the health world, but many individuals are still doing this in the hope that they will lose weight. So, whether you're an avid calorie counter or need further proof of why it's time to step away from the number crunching, This week's Food for Thought sees registered nutritionist and Deputy Chief Executive at the Association for Nutrition, Dr. Glenis Jones and I, break down the truth about calories. Hello, Glenis. Hi, Rhiannon. So, Glenis, I think today we're talking about calories. Um, Let's start off by the school of thought that all calories are the same. But are they really equal? Are they the same? So, yes and no. From an analytical point of view, yes, they are. Because when we calculate a calorie, we look at how much energy does it take to raise a kilo of water by one degree. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, yes, they're all the same. But actually to our body, no, they're not. Because they're not all available to us. And that's the difference. Are a calorie a calorie? Because is it available to you? Yeah, and that's what I think where people get it wrong because it's, it's a very simplistic message, isn't it? Yeah, because when you want to analyse it to be able to put it on a packet of your pasta or your grapefruit or whatever you're buying, obviously they can only test it in a lab. Yeah. And I think, well, actually now we have these wonderful books that we can look them up because obviously we've got lots of tables from over the years and we can look at it that way. 
but actually what is available to us is different. So if we break down for our listeners what we mean by what is available, um, is it how we absorb them? Yeah, so how much can we get out of that? So if we think about carbohydrates, we pretty much can get most of the energy out of a carbohydrate. Our starchy complex carbs, we get a little bit less from, Mm -hmm. but our sugars, we pretty much get all of the energy. But our proteins, we get a bit less from them. So actually, we're getting about 20% that we don't absorb. Right. But actually then fat, we get all of those calories. But actually, we also lose some of the calories from actually digesting and absorbing it. So actually, if you think a nut, you've actually got to break it down, haven't you, in your mouth. Mm. You've actually got to bite it and grind it to get those calories and those energy out of it. Right. And this is where I think um, at the moment with well, what we've known as, as nutritionists, but fatty diets for years and years or people that pedal push calorie counting, is there a kind of recommended quantity in a day? What happens if you do go over that uh, number that's dictated in the press or the media as being the optimum number? So there isn't a one size fits all. So we're all different. I'm a different height from you. I'm a different size. I'm also probably got a different activity level from you. So we've all got our own number. But at public health level, we have to have to give people guidance. Mm. And that's where we've got those numbers from. But we shouldn't get fixated. Those numbers are a guidance and that's what they're there for. But also we don't need to focus on every single day. Think about it over a week. So yes, I might eat a bit more today, but tomorrow I'm going to eat a little bit less. So actually over a week it's going to balance out. Similarly, I'm going to be more active one day than I am the next. So it's all about having that variation and that variety and making sure it fits our lifestyle. And this is, again, where we come down to the the amazing fact we are all so unique and there mm-hmm. is no one size fits all, which makes public health nutrition, as you know, working at the Association for Nutrition, so tricky. Yeah, and it is, it's giving people some sort of tips and hints to help them. And that's where we do have public health campaigns that do help us with that. And having an understanding of calories is really helpful, but we don't want to get fixated down to the minutiae. No. And I think that's where we can use them to benefit us and help and empower us to make choices, but don't get fixated. Yeah, and it's it's so difficult when we say that because you've mentioned the different types of, you know, difference between a carb or a protein because different foods go through different biochemical pathways. So the results in the body would, would obviously be different. But for people listening, what are some of the various ways in which foods have those differing effects on the body? Um, a good example of this may be fructose compared to glucose yeah so our body will use different sources and actually fructose and glucose are actually really good when we think about it from a sports point of view Mm. but actually we'll often use a blend of those to help somebody train through an activity because actually we'll get different amounts of energy from them they use slightly different transport chains but actually at the end of the day they're both still sugars Mm. so exactly then when we think about people saying all natural sugars compared to refined sugars At the end of the day, our pancreas will still say they're sugar. Mm. Um, Our pancreas can't tell the difference between the sugar that we're going to add into an apple pie to the sugars that are actually already there in the apple. At the end of the day, they're sugar. But it will tell the difference between sugars and protein. Yes. It will go, actually, these are different uh, macronutrients. They are different products. It's going to use them for different things. So it's going to use protein to help build muscle. It's going to use that to help us to build the structure of our cells. 
whereas it's going to use the carbohydrate for energy. Our brain needs glucose to be able to function and to survive. So it's going to have that there. So it is going to use those different nutrients for different purposes. And that's why when we look at calories, that just gives us how much energy we're getting. Food is more than just that number. It is about having all of those other nutrients. I can see the passion coming straight away. And it's so refreshing because even as you mentioned, the brain needing glucose to function, it the food should be seen, I think, in so much more than it should be seen as more than just a number. I'm trying to articulate this in the best way possible, but it's so wonderful. There's a whole array of amazing stuff you can get from food. And if we touch on, so we've touched on macronutrients, what about micronutrients? If we explain what they are, and do calories take this into account? So calories don't take it into account because that is just energy. And our micronutrients are our vitamins and they're our minerals. So they're all the things that are going to help us. If we think like calcium, that's for our bone strength. If we think of other nutrients, things even like about omegas, that's going to help us with inflammation and things like that. And calories don't have anything to do with that. It's purely how much energy am I going to get out of that? When we think about food, we eat food and food is a matrix and it brings all of the factors into account. So yes, it takes into account the energy, Mm. but it also takes into account all of those vitamins, minerals, how much fibre am I going to get? How much protein am I going Mm. to get? And that's it. We eat food. We don't eat macronutrients, vitamins and minerals in isolation. They all come together. And this is where we definitely probably have gone wrong because I think um, it puts a lot of weight on people's shoulders when you say, oh, just go to a calorie deficit. If we're talking about weight loss or fat loss um, in general, we know that a lot of the population will be looking and seeking to actively lose body fat. We often hear the message eat less, move more. What's your opinion on this one? So it is a very simplistic message and we're humans. We love simple messages. And yes, in some ways it works. At the end of the day, if we want to lose weight, we need to have a calorie deficit. We need to consume less calories than we are burning off. However, we also need to think about the quality of what we're having. So the quality of what we're consuming but also the quality of our life Mm. so it comes together but at the end of the day yes if we consume more calories than what we are burning off we will put on weight Mm. so actually if we're consuming roughly 100 calories more than what we're burning off every single day then over a year we will put on about 10 pounds yeah so actually it's that extra little snack every day that can (laughs) actually sneak up on us that's actually just a fact of life Mm. Um, and that's actually why as a nation we do have an epidemic with obesity but actually from a deficit point of view we actually have to have quite a large deficit to actually then get that weight reduction so actually from a message yes it is calorie reduction and increasing our activity and ideally doing them together but actually not at the detriment of the quality of the diet And that's what makes a nutritionist or a registered dietitian's job so important because you mentioned before about the different micronutrients, the vitamins, the minerals. What if somebody goes on an extreme calorie deficit and they eat, they could eat Mars bars. They could probably lose weight eating Mars bars. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You could do it by having the worst diet in the world and by getting purely a reduction in your calories. And we know that actually from starvation diets and everything. 
when people actually in the worst situations they have such an extreme diet and you will lose weight because you've got a calorie deficit mm. but it doesn't mean you're going to be healthy no and that's when you can find deficiency diseases coming in and that individual becoming really quite unhealthy from a point of view of the individual you want them to be losing weight in a healthy way not just for their body but also for their mental health if you're starting to lose weight and extreme ways and losing it very quickly you're also unlikely to do that in the long term so actually we know people who lose weight very very quickly actually when you're looking at them a year later they've probably put it back on because they couldn't keep that weight loss off because the process they've done like you say it's been very extreme five miles bars a day and that's it or actually five miles bars they're probably not in calorie well, actually deficit. no i was gonna say <laughs> so, probably more like two isn't it yeah. or three <laughs> so um but if they've come really strict and it's been so restrictive that's not achievable in the long term so people tend to do it on a really short period um when you mentioned earlier people tend to do it for things like oh i want to wear that dress oh yeah. i want to do it for that holiday people do it for short-term goals so actually they're not looking at trying to change their diet for the long term and then actually it just becomes unsustainable we don't keep it going and therefore actually we're not going to improve our long-term health but actually also we've become really disappointed with it because we probably haven't achieved what we really wanted gosh so many things are ringing out to me from what you've just said mental health being the first one i think that really struck a chord of me thinking well of course if you if you're not fully nourished you're not getting those vitamins or those minerals and you're feeling pretty low and i don't know lethargics your mental health will be affected by the food that you consume every day and that's probably not going to help with your goal or behavior change anyway and then you mentioned uh, the quick fixes or the quick goals. Perhaps we're just looking at fat loss in the wrong way and there's not enough education around the long-term benefits. Yeah, and I think that's it. We are a quick fix society. And I think that's it. We're also a disposable society. And we are literally, if you look at every magazine, isn't it? There's a new diet every week. Yeah. People want a quick fix. And actually, that's not reality. When we are looking at trying to go for weight loss, we are looking at those one to two pounds a week weight loss because that's what we're more likely to keep off in the long term. Because also to do that, we'll be able to take small changes to our diet that we can keep long term. And actually what we want is people to have balanced diets that have a lot of variety in them that actually become a healthy diet long term. Mm. And actually then you can feel really empowered about what you're doing. And actually you feel good about what you're doing. And then everything sort of falls in place. I completely agree. There's a lot in the press constantly all year round. Um, and it tends to be very aesthetically driven as well. So instead of even thinking about people that maybe medically have been told they need to lose weight or calorie getting to a calorie deficit, there's a lot of, I think, conflicting messages focusing on body fat percentages as well. What are your thoughts on calorie deficits, body fat percentages? I mean, does that really equate to health? Not necessarily. Um, so when you think, yes, when you get to extreme levels and they're very high, they're not, they're not going to be healthy. If you're carrying an awful high amount of body fat, there's no denying the fact that they are linked with higher risks of disease. But you can also be very fit at a high body weight because we know that there are people running marathons who have high BMIs who have got high percentage body fats and they've got extremely good cardiovascular health 
And yet there can be people who have got very low body weights, low BMIs, and actually sit on the sofa all day doing nothing and have got really poor cardiovascular health. So actually, that's not necessarily linked as with a link of health if you're of a higher weight or a lower weight. So it's not just what you look aesthetically and what your percentage body fat is. So they're not independent. So it is all about what you're going to do. But at the end of the day, yes, if you do have a high percentage body fat, we can't deny that there is a link with higher risk of diabetes, higher risk of heart disease. But what you need to do then is make sure that the diet that you're following is the healthiest diet you can have. Make sure that you're making those educated choices. Completely. And as you said, I think wanting to lose weight in the first place or calorie count, we don't want to put anyone off if that's what you want to do. It could be an effective measure still. We don't want to shame anybody or judge them on their food choices at all. Um, And this is where we also have a bit of a problem because there's another movement that would be encouraging people to not, you know, screw calories, screw this, don't think about anything, just do what you want, life's too short. But there is a middle ground to these two extreme camps, isn't there? Yeah, and that's exactly where I would sit. I would say you have to sit in that middle ground because actually there's not one thing that fits everybody. So actually for some people, looking at their calories is right for them. And actually, they find it really empowering and rewarding. And they have complete control of that. And they find that for them works. Mm. And actually, for another person, they find that really off-putting and causes them lots of anxiety. And if that's the person that you are and you find any anxiety when you're writing down calories, then don't do it. Mm. Because actually, you could find that that for you is a trigger. In which case, just keep away from it. Because there are some long-term consequences, aren't there, if, if it is something that makes you anxious? Yeah, if you find that actually seeing how and writing them down for you is a trigger, don't do it. If you find that that's really helpful, then great. That's your individuality, and that's what's so wonderful about us as people. We are individuals. Um, other people can find, if they look at two products and they can see the calories on them, it's a great way of being able to make a choice between two products, and they can find that really helpful to make that decision particularly when you're in a rush and you're in a supermarket and you're trying to go which one do I Mm. go for Mm. people don't always have as much knowledge as you and I do Mm. so actually just being able to see two things and making a decision based on that simple information that's there actually is really empowering to them to be able to know what I'm feeding my family tonight is the best that I can get at that point of choice yeah and knowledge is power that's something that I, I love to think about the more you learn the more you can really make informed choices um, the government uh, you'll know more about this than I Glennis are wanting to put calories on menus and make sure it's an option there I mean I, I, personal opinion coming out here I think as Glennis just said fair enough some people will want to view it others will not where are we at at, at this point with all of those changes so at the moment it's still voluntary um, more and more are taking it up and um, And I think it is, it's about giving people that ability to be able to make that choice at the point of purchase. Mm. So actually, if people can see it there, they can make that choice there and then. So actually enabling people to be able to make that choice at the point of purchase can actually help them. Because actually, you're not making that food. Mm. A lot of people don't actually have those cooking skills anymore. They don't necessarily know what's going in there. And even if you did... 
I know that I can cook a dish at home and it's completely different to what is in the shop. Never tastes as good when I cook it myself. (laughs) (laughs) And the caloric content is completely different. So even taking into account for the bioavailability, different things, the content is different because they're making it in a completely different way. Yeah. So just having that can actually just be that stop in moment time, look at it and go, oh, okay, maybe I'll just have a slightly smaller portion. Maybe I'll just choose something slightly different. I'm not going into any more depth now. It's just a point where I can take that two second stop, have a look. Because that is where it's quite useful when you're thinking about portions because our eyes can be very deceiving. And you, you've hit the nail on the head where you said, you know, if you're going to make it at home, I mean, some of you out there might do this, but I hope all of you are not doing this, but you might put four times more salt than you need into your food and a lot more oil than the measured tablespoon perhaps you'd normally put in. And that's what restaurants do. I remember watching um, a chef once in a, a job I used to have working in a kitchen and he would literally put like a pack of butter in the mashed potato and you you could have easily like a quarter of a pack of butter per one person eating a bit of mashed potato. Yeah. People don't know and it's only when you see it but because this portion size is so small. Yeah, and you automatically have this thought of, oh, well, it will be the same as how I produce it at home. Mm. And you don't actually think that they're doing it differently. Whereas suddenly if you look on the thing and you sort of go, oh, wow, that's twice as much as what, I Mm -hmm. make at home all the company's brand that I normally buy. Maybe I won't, or maybe I'll just have a smaller portion. Yeah. Actually, it just allows us that stop moment. Mm. Just have a thing. And if you still want it, then fine. Yeah. But actually, it just allows us to have that thought. Oh, I totally agree. And it's bringing me on to a different school of thought that's just popped into my head, is that how are we going to teach the younger generations then in terms of how we approach calories and nutrition? We've given a pretty good for and against the fact that for some people it's very beneficial, others it's not so much. There's a different availability. Macro counting is a new thing that people are doing. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on macro counting or counting the carbs, proteins, and fats in foods. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think 
it's quite complex for people. Mm. And actually, for a lot of people, it's just a step too far. Yeah. Because it's too individual. So actually, unless you know what your requirements are, then actually you can get it really quite wrong. Yeah. And particularly a number of the apps that are out there, there's been some work done and it's really shown they're actually really quite inaccurate. Yes. So actually, if you've got an inaccurate app and you've got your values wrong, you can really be getting it quite wrong. And it's again, it's got that bit of it would work for some people and not for others. Mm. So the area where we see more of its sort of use being helpful is in the sports world. Mm. And that's because they're using it for a performance goal. So in that area, then there can be some beneficial. But the majority of people, it's probably something I wouldn't go down. No. And do we really want our children to be going into that much depth? Because then surely we move away from teaching them that food is food. Exactly. And actually, it's more about going, actually, do you know what? This is what a balanced and varied diet is like. And actually, it's about enjoying your food, getting to understand what food is, and actually learning to have those skills again about cooking it and learning where our food comes from. It's amazing how many times I go out and work with people and they don't actually know where food comes from. Lots of children who actually don't understand the sort of food chain. And actually it's getting back and getting that handle there again. Well, I hope there's something we can do because inspiring the future generations is extremely important. And something that I think we should discuss as well is that as registered nutritionists, going to the right people for nutrition information is of of paramount importance. Oh, absolutely. There is so much misinformation out there. And actually that's not helping because people get the wrong information and that just causes so much confusion. So actually being able to identify those people who've got the information and they're, they're willing to help. They're really helpful. They want to help. They're just so generous with their time that actually going out and following them on Instagram, following them on Twitter, they're sharing that information freely as well. And then if you need to go and get that individual advice, go and find a registered nutritionist, a registered associate nutritionist, find a dietitian. Mm. They're there to support you. I think they're the key kind of phrases to remember because unfortunately, in the world of nutrition, because it's so emotive, it affects everyone. So everyone's got their own opinion yeah everyone eats so everyone thinks that they're an expert on food you've nailed it exactly exactly and I think it's all too easy it can come from a very good place that people will be trying to say it'll work for me it could work for you yeah and that's it and I think people are genuinely wanting to help but sometimes as they say isn't it a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing and sometimes it's just being aware that people have got complex issues going on and you need to have that knowledge to be able to actually support them in the right way. The most difficult thing I've found being on social media and as a registered nutritionist is the personal messages I get daily and having to say sorry I can't help you and that's quite difficult to do but I know long term it's the ethical right thing to do. Yeah and actually I think that is it by actually being able to say do you know what I can't give that information in that forum you need to speak to somebody individually you need to come and actually have that one-to-one chat because you are an individual Mm. so you need individual care that's actually where you know you're speaking to a professional and that's what worries me is that I'm sure that um people with millions and trillions of followers who just come out of perhaps shows like Love Island on TV I'm sure they must also get essay long messages of people saying this happened to me you've spoken about something similar and perhaps they don't know and they do give give advice on the inter- on the internet but naively wanting to help and then it can make something worse 
Yeah, and I always think that's it, isn't it? I think people always have a passion and they really want to help. But actually, it's what we always say about scope of practice, isn't it? And having that responsibility and actually being able to say, actually, do you know what? It's okay to say, I don't know, Mm. and pass it on to somebody who can help them. And that's definitely why I also wanted Glennis on this this particular episode, because I've learned the hard way over the years with wanting to do the right thing and it backfiring completely. And it's okay to say, I don't know everything, because, gosh, can you imagine if anyone were an actual expert knowing everything? (laughs) Well, that's it. None of us can know everything about everything. No. I always say, if it's something I don't know, I'll find out for you or I'll try and pass you on to somebody because we're all learning all the time and that's why we all sign up to continual yeah. professional development because also all the areas keep evolving. That's yeah. what's so great about science. Mm. It is an area that's just continuing to develop. It completely, 100%. And before I delve off into questions with my listeners, I have one more if we go back to the calorie subject very quickly. Just because it is low calorie, and we should just touch on this a little bit more, doesn't necessarily mean always it's the better option, though, does it? No, because it might be low calorie, but actually it's got no nutrients in it. So actually, if we think about soda, that's a really good example, Mm. because actually you could have a soda that's got one or two calories and it's water and sweetener and nothing else. Um, And that's fine if you're replacing it from having been on a really high sugary drink before Mm -hmm. and it's a way to get you down. But actually, if you're drinking that day in, day out, you're still getting lots of of the maybe carbonic acid or something like that. So it's not great for your teeth. Mm. And actually, it would be better to try and move you on long term to water. So So many things you don't even think about. And I guess some products can have, I don't know, more salt or more sugar and be low calorie. Yeah. So actually, it's about looking at that label. If you can look at the front of it and see it might be lower calorie um, in one way. But actually, it might not be great in the other. So it might actually be quite nutrient de- um, deficient. There might not be so much in it. I mean, quite frankly, we need more registered nutritionists talking out about this because I think it's very confusing for the public how to read labels, what to look for. It's not all about the calories. It's not just about <laughs> calories. We need more registered nutritionists working in industry as yeah. well to make sure that when foods are reformulated, they're the best that they can be so that we actually get really good foods within our food source as well. Do you know, working recently on, on a particular project, um, I had to push and push to get the fibre content up because even sourcing a, a particular bread roll that could be nationwide was blooming tricky that contained more fibre but actually could be continually the same everywhere. It's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And actually, fibre is one that we really want the population to be Mm -hmm. consuming more of because we've got woefully low intakes of fibre in this country. Exactly. But I could talk about this for forever, (laughs) but we have some questions. And actually, the first name really stuck out for me. So her name is Ocean, which I thought was a very beautiful name. I know. So Ocean has asked, I've heard about the satiety index. How can I find out the value of this in my foods? Oh, I know. I don't know if there's actually a set table anywhere for it. I've so, never come across a satiety no. index table. No, it's not one where I've actually seen a published list. No. Maybe do you mean um, different, knowing how hungry or full you are? Yeah, so different foods have different satiety values to them. So certain foods will make you feel more full for longer. And so we know, for example, that protein has a high satiety value. 
and that will have a higher satiety value than something that's got carbohydrates in it yeah i could definitely eat chocolate and then be hungry again within like 10 minutes yeah so (laughs) you will find that if it's a protein-based food it will have a higher satiety value than a carbohydrate food but i don't know that there's a definitive table somewhere where you Mm. can look up the actual index of them it gets confusing it's almost the same as gi foods being confusing that just because it's a low gi doesn't mean it's the better option um yeah, so maybe instead of looking again at numbers and tables, just try and think of the quality of your diet. Yeah, and even when you look at then GI, it's actually those values change depending on what you're consuming them with. So yeah, so you it's could not have f- watermelon, but if you have it with with something else, something else. then it <laughs> yeah, it will change. So Maddie has said, in order to lose weight, how many fewer calories per day should I be eating? So we tend to say you want to look at about a 500 calorie deficit. And that's going to get you about a two pound a week um, weight loss. Wow. So as I said, we're looking at 100 calories a day every day for mm. a year will give you a 10 pound weight gain. But we are looking at about a 500 calorie a day deficit to give you a one to two pound a week weight loss. There we go. 500 calories a day. So it's, it's quite drastic. Yeah. So it's also then though you need to know obviously what your calorie intake requirement is. And once again, Maddie, we don't know what your current diet is, your lifestyle, how much you need. And that's not necessarily just from your dietary intake. That can be made up of a combination of your dietary intake and your physical activity. Mm. Now, it's incredibly hard to lose weight just from increasing your physical activity intake. So we tend to find it's easier to reduce the caloric intake from your calories, um, from your diet. But increasing your physical activity is really good because actually having physical activity based in there is really good for weight loss, um, for weight maintenance afterwards. Mm. And also you get all the benefits for your sort of cardiovascular health as well from that. 100%. The more exercise, the better. And we've done podcasts on exercise separately, but it's definitely something. Pick something you enjoy, Maddie. Don't just go and slog it out in the gym if you hate it because it's just going to be hard to keep that up. Yeah, you've got to love it. You really have. You do. Um, Harry has asked, oh, I've kind of delved into this already. What is the importance of GI and should I always be trying to have meals that are low in it? So the glycemic index um, relates to how your body's going to release insulin towards the food. Um, We know that if you have foods that have got a lower GI you won't release and have so much of a spike in your responses to the foods. Have a varied diet, is what I would say. Go for those starchy vegetables, starchy carbohydrates. Starchy vegetables? So starchy Mm -hmm. carbohydrates. um, And go for the foods. But make sure you're enjoying it. Don't fixate on one thing. We do know that people who have low GI diets, I think they do find that they can follow weight loss diets and stuff but it's one it's all about compliance if you follow that diet and you can actually follow it then great but actually if that diet doesn't suit you then it's not going to work no exactly very very well answered uh venetia do the calories you consume impact your hormones so calories as i said just means the amount of energy so no it's what foods you're having Again, the quality of the diet. Absolutely. (laughs) Honestly, I think, yeah, if anything, we're taking away from today, it's quality, quality. Talitha, that's the last question, says, will eating more calories increase my metabolism or does it depend on the types of foods I'm eating? So, yes and no, because if you consume more calories than you are burning off, you will put on more weight. 
And if you are heavier, then your metabolism will be slightly higher because your basal metabolic rate will increase. And the basal metabolic rate is how many calories you need to burn just to survive. And the heavier you are, the higher your BMI is because um, your BMR is because actually you just need to burn more calories to survive. Let's just go into that because this is a point (laughs) that we should have mentioned earlier. It's so, this is what really frustrates me about generic diet plans in the press. They do not take into account your current size or shape. If you are larger, you actually need to eat more Mm. in order to even lose weight. Yeah. So the heavier you are, the more calories you will be consuming just to stay at the weight you are. And as you lose weight, you will need to consume less calories to stay at that weight. So when you think, if you're a a size 16, for example, you will need to consume a set number of calories just to stay as a size 16. You then lose weight and become a size 10, for example. That will then require a smaller number of calories to be a size 10. So if after you have followed a diet Mm. for a period of time because you wanted to get down for a wedding say Mm -hmm. you go back to your original diet and you consume what you were consuming to be a size 16 you will become back to a size 16 because that was the number of calories to maintain the body weight of a size 16 and your body doesn't actually like you losing weight it's not um an evolutionary kind of adapted thing is it it probably wants to preserve and make sure that you're not in a period of famine i guess yeah so there is one school of thought that we have almost like a natural weight and you do tend to find that people will sort of flow to a weight that they sort of sit at Mm. um and actually they have to work to sort of change that so some people will naturally sit say as a size 12 and actually you'll see them go up and go down but they always kind of come back to that size And actually what you find is some of it will be nature, some of it will be nurture. Yes. And some of it it literally is because we've just got habits around it. Yeah, and this is when the media portraying aesthetics as being the one size just isn't right because we're not all designed to be one size and shape. But I could go on about that forever. We are going to move on to the fact or fiction round. Oh, come on then. Right, fact or fiction to the following questions. Calories don't indicate the quality of your diet. True. Calorie counting apps are accurate. False. 1,200 calories for women is the minimum level needed to survive. No, it depends on the individual. Weight gain only happens because you're eating too many calories. You're consuming more calories than you're burning, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard to get these um, fat deficiencies. Cutting calories will cause muscle loss. Well, only if you're in a deficit at extreme levels. Weight loss and fat loss is the same. No. I love that. Yes, we need to touch on that in a minute. Fat has over double the amount of calories per gram. Yes. I had to think about that then as well. <laughs> I was like, four plus four, and I was like, eight. <laughs> yes, there's nine calories in a gram of fat. <laughs> and there's only four in carbohydrate. Yeah. But we were both sat there going, four plus four. Um, nutritional info is always correct on menus and products. You would hope so, but there are at times when there's errors. Zero or low calorie foods do not equate to weight loss. Not necessarily. There we go. Some foods are negative in calories. No, I think that's a fad. There's a theory that consuming things like celery would burn more 
calories to consume them than you'd get but no. there we go well answered Glennis that was a really good fact or fiction <laughs> round I had to think about a few of the ones we'd written down then I was looking back I was like oh yeah what was the point I wanted to delve into I was like we must delve into that oh weight loss and fat loss is the same so let's touch into why they're not before I wrap mm. up so weight loss and fat loss are not necessarily the same because you can lose weight but not necessarily fat because you can lose water weight Mm. so when you first initially lose weight it's usually water weight Mm -hmm. that you'll lose so actually when people first go on diets and you often hear people going on that they've gone to a program and they come back really really enthused that they've lost an awful lot of weight at the beginning they're really motivated and then it starts to slow down and they get really demotivated and it's often because that initial weight was actually water weight There we go. So the scales are not always the answer, guys. So that does nearly wrap up this episode, but we do always finish with a food for thought. So to start today, my train of thinking and, well, overall thought would be that calorie content has kind of been drummed into us for many, many years. I think everybody's probably dabbled with it. We've all explored it. We know someone that's on a calorie-controlled diet at some point or another, but one thing I like that we've discussed today is that they really are just a number and they may benefit some, they may not benefit others. And it can also be damaging when used inappropriately. And I think if you really want to base every single meal around a number, is that sustainable long term? It's another question to kind of put out there. Do you want to be 70, 80, 90 years old counting calories? I, I, it's just another thought to put out there. I don't think many of us would, but then equally... For some people, that might be a positive approach. But ultimately, I think my food for thought is by nourishing your body and having a well-balanced diet, your body and your mind will probably thank you. But I'll let Glennis leave us all with her final food for thought or something you think the listeners would benefit from. So I think my food for thought would be, let's take back control of the word diet. For far too long, it's been hijacked, um, particularly in magazines and online, to be used in reference for something that's done for aesthetic reasons for a short period of time for that holiday body look Mm. or for getting into a dress for a party but actually it should be something that we can take control of and bring it back to what it really means it's having a balanced healthy diet that's right for us to be good for our bodies good for our health and good for the planet and do you know what yes having those calorie numbers can help us but we don't need to get fixated on them let's be empowered by them and actually let them help us to have a good healthy relationship with our food oh i've got goosebumps (laughs) (laughs) yes let's feel the empowerment glennis thank you so much for coming on today's episode you're welcome hopefully see you again soon If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get this podcast out there so that we can reach higher highs in the charts and hopefully be able to help more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 